Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're present. And we ask that you would guide us as we look at uh, this text. As we talk about you, may we understand you more clearly. May we know the freedom that comes through you. And uh, again, thanks for this community. I just, I feel more alive seeing some of them. So thank you. In your name. Amen. So this chunk of scripture begins with this phrase, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Now, earlier we had talked about not hiding behind the law, right? We had talked about how the law was uh, a way that the, the rival teachers were coming and saying, hey, we know that you love Jesus, but you also need to become Jewish first. You need to do these these things that make you on the in group. And if you do that, then you're safe. But if you just trust in Jesus, that's not a complete gospel. And this whole book of Galatians is is Paul really saying no, that's that's some weird teaching. I, I don't find that. That's not what Christ showed me. Christ showed me that it's Jesus plus nothing else. That Jesus is sufficient. But let's be honest for a minute. The law can be comforting. Right? Like at least my experience of the law, which was never all the rules of Deuteronomy and all that, but, but my there is a comfort that comes with the law. These rivals aren't just the evil other. They're, they're, they, yes, they're saying one ethnic group is better, and we know how damaging that is. But, but they're also inviting people into something where they can feel a little bit of security, a little bit of safety. In fact, we kind of hide behind the law sometimes, don't we? A lot of churches form over, hey, we're going to agree that these are the six rules we're going to follow, and these are the 14 we're not going to follow. And we're going to all agree together that if you break these six, you're bad. And if you keep them, you're good. And it's a way of forming a group. And we find security in that. And what... Well, what we're seeing in, in Paul is Paul saying, none of that works. And if you're following six and you're following two and you're following four, but you're all following the Holy Spirit, that's the point. It's that it's Jesus plus nothing else. So I was thinking about this a little bit with my neighbor and my neighbor's dog. My neighbor has this, this giant dog. I know nothing about dogs, but I know that it looks like it's made of chocolate in color. And it's really big and it's more powerful than my neighbors. It, it's one of those dogs that takes my neighbors for walks. You know those dogs? Yeah. It's one of those, except it wears this collar. And the dog submits to the owners because of the collar, right? right. And so this, this dog is dragging my neighbor across the street so it can lick my hands, which is not my favorite thing to do, I've told them. But it still comes over to lick my hand, and they, they let that happen. But if the dog does anything else, they push a button that beeps, right? And then that dog knows what's coming next. It knows that like it's about to lose its power if they hit that next button. And they talk about how this, this, uh, this collar on this dog gives them great comfort around the dog. Because the dog's more powerful than that. And I say all this because sometimes we act like our rebellious self needs a collar. And we act like 
That's the real us, the one that needs the shock collar. I don't know that that's biblical. I don't know that your sinful self is more powerful than your spirit-filled self. I don't know that that's true. I don't find that in, in Paul's writing. But we find great comfort in the collar. We find great comfort in, in the rules sometimes. Now verse 13 continues on and says that you're given freedom, not, not for, to go back to the law, go back to wearing that shock collar and having those six things you agree to, but you're also not given it to use it as an opportunity for self-indulgence. So we get this very Greco-Roman list in in verse 19. This happens throughout this period of time where they list vices and virtues, and it's happening again here. But here's the thing. If if we're given freedom, not for the law, but also not to do our self-indulgences, to just go pursue everything that we've ever had an appetite for, how, how do we keep from doing that if it's not the shock collar of the law? Are we supposed to just follow our own strength? To just believe that we can will our way there? No, it's we were once submitted to the law, but that doesn't work. And so then it's Jesus plus nothing else. And Jesus' spirit within us is what guides us. The spirit within us allows us through love to submit to one another. In this text, slave language comes up again. And this is, this is hard, right? Anytime slave comes up, that, that's a, I do not want to submit as a slave to anyone. And yet at the time that this is written in the Greco-Roman world, everyone but the emperor was, a, was submitted to somebody else. There were patrons, there were people in charge, and you submitted to someone. And Genevieve, you're good. Help me preach this, okay? And uh, everybody submitted to one another, but you're only submitted to gain. You're only submitted to somebody who's above you in status so that you can have more. And what we're seeing here in this radically different way of living in God is that we are submitted to everyone. It's not to gain more. It's that there's nothing more to gain. Do we get that that's a difference? I don't submit to to Martin because Martin's smarter than me and maybe he'll give me some of his knowledge and experience. No, I submit to Martin because he's an image bearer. And he might be smarter than me. But that's, that's not it. It's not about where we rank. We're all at the table, equal footing. We submit to one another because we're okay. Because there's nothing more to gain. Because we're covered. So verse 14 We see that the whole law is summed up in this single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is it. We fulfill the law by loving one another. Now, what's happening when we love one another? You know what I think is happening? Is we're trusting that we're okay. When I'm truly loving you, that requires some security and some confidence for me. It means that I believe that I'm cared for. That my needs are met. That my place is secure. That I don't have to fight for the attention of God or the provision of God. I can trust that God has me 
And then I can look out for you out of love. Not as someone who's better than you, not as someone who's worse than you, but somebody who's called to the same table as you, whether Jew or Greek. So I was thinking a little bit about the, the great game of musical chairs. Y'all haven't played this in a while, right? If, if we didn't have to socially distance, we would play a massive game of musical chairs. And musical chairs is all dependent on us having one fewer chair than people, right? That's what the whole game is about. The whole game is about there's not enough. And I'm competitive, and I like competitive things, but we live... Sometimes our culture lives as a giant game of musical chairs. Maybe there's like four chairs, not enough. But we live real scarce. And if you think about it, if you've ever played musical chairs with people who are too old to play musical chairs, there's one person, usually a guy, who plays a little bit like this. Right? And we live like that. Not just in musical chairs, but we actually live like that. Like there's not enough and we hover our butt over every resource. Trying to cover it as our own. Yeah, toilet paper in in COVID. That's not the way of the kingdom. That's not what this is. Now, Paul even anticipates that we will live like this because he knows us. Look at this next verse. This is one of the funniest verses in Scripture. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. That's great imagery. Why is he saying that? Because... It's a dog-eat-dog world, right? It's we got to get ahead. We've got to climb to the top, and whoever we've got to throw under, that's just the cost of it. I've even heard that language in church. I've even heard that language in church planting. you got to put your stuff out there, and if it takes somebody else down, well, your message is more important. No. That is not the kingdom. We don't have to compete over scarce resources. That's not the case. Now, he assumes that we'll bite and devour one another a bit. And here's where I think we need to wake up a bit. When we live in community, there's going to be a moment where you come near my hurt. And I might nip at you. And I'm not proud of those moments but that's community. I had this other dog that the neighbor dog kind of chewed on. I told you his story before. But if you pet him in the wrong spots, he'll nip at you because he'd been hurt before. And part of what we are to be is a place where we can heal together. And part of what healing together means is those those places need to heal. And as God touches that place in me, I might nip. And if you're nearest to me, I'll (laughs) pre-apologize. But that doesn't mean that God's not working and Holy Spirit is not present. That might mean that God is working. 
That might be evidence of that. If we have a conflict, that doesn't mean that the church should fold. That means that we are in, we are human, and we've got things to work through. We're okay. That happens. But care that you are not consumed. That's the point. Now, have you ever been consumed by somebody else? Where all your thoughts are about that other person? And I'm not talking about like where you're madly in love and you only think about that. I'm talking about that person who hurt you. And you cannot stop thinking about them. You start having like anger dreams. And then you start having them when you're awake. There's jealousy and revenge. Where you want to make it just to prove them wrong. We will probably bite and devour a little bit. But don't ever be consumed. Don't be consumed because you are to be led by something else. Not not the hatred of another, but the love of another. And we see this in the very next verse. Live by the Spirit. I say, do not gratify the desires of the flesh. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough to guide you. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough to even heal those parts of you that are prone to be consumed with somebody else. The Holy Spirit is powerful enough to heal those spots that are tender, that are wounded. And it doesn't mean that we will will never sin again. It doesn't mean that we will never have a self-indulgent thought, that we will never nip at someone. That's not what it means, but it What Paul is saying here is be guided, be consumed by the Holy Spirit. And that's it. Follow the Holy Spirit's prompting. And it works much better than the shock collar of the law. Because the Holy Spirit is powerful. And the way to consistently walk with the Spirit is to love one another. That's it. Where I know you and your needs and your heart. And I'm pro your needs and your heart. And you know me and my needs and my heart. And you are pro my needs and my heart. And we go together forward like that. Consistently walking in step with the Spirit. Healing because that's what the Spirit does. And so typically in the series we've been having separate moments of of communion but i want to invite you if you're in the room with me start trying to unpack this little thing because it's a wonder of technology (laughs) If, if we can call this holy we can call pretty much anything for communion holy because what we're talking about here this freedom in the spirit this is what paul calls the new covenant right He calls us to remember Christ's death. And he says it's a new covenant, not led by the law, but by love. Not by us looking out for ourselves, but by looking out for one another. It's not a covenant of lack, but a covenant where there's enough. And it's not on our effort, but on the sacrifice of Jesus. And so we get to celebrate together 
with communion. Because in Christ, we get to know freedom and we get to be led and prompted by the Holy Spirit. Now, in a few weeks, the week after Easter, on on Sunday night, we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and and what that looks like with our personalities and our wiring. And I want to invite you to be with us on that Sunday night as that comes right here in this text. But for now, we're going to just push pause because I think there's enough. And I'm going to give you just about 15 seconds on your own to reflect. Are there, maybe you need to let go of the shock collar. Trust the spirit in yourself. Maybe you've been living scarce and playing musical chairs. And you need to trust there's enough. Maybe there's somebody that you need to not be consumed by. And you need to trust Jesus with them. I'm going to give you a few seconds. And then we'll receive communion together, okay? So we are invited by our Savior to join people from around the world, from throughout time, in observing this moment where we we take the the bread, or maybe this is manna, and remember that he, He broke it, and we eat it, remembering that His death was sufficient. We take the cup, and again we remember that all was done for us. And as we drink of the cup, we remember that Christ's death was sufficient. And going forward, we pray for courage to trust that we're invited to live this Jesus plus nothing, that God's spirit covers all that he's enough and that there's no lack. And our act of worship today, tomorrow, and going forward is to learn to love one another, which is the fulfillment of the law. Amen?